Hello, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report. I am your host, Carmen Balber, Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog. And like all of you, I hope we're practicing safer at home. So please bear with any sound issues you might hear in the course of this very remote broadcast. But thanks for joining us. Uh, I am thrilled this week to have one of my good friends and uh, one of the country's most effective advocates for reforming our broken healthcare system uh, on the po- podcast with us this week. He's, he's a journalist, um, he's a best-selling author, and uh, most pertinent to this moment, perhaps, he is a health insurance industry whistleblower uh, who is a former communications director for one of the largest uh, health insurance companies in the country who I think can really help us illuminate the situation we're in now. Uh, Wendell Potter, welcome. Carmen, thank you very much. Good to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming on. It's really great to have you here. Um, thank you. I, I, I wanted to chat uh, because you know things and can tell us things about the health insurance industry and the way um, the system works that few people know from both sides, from the in, inside the industry and as a whistleblower and advocate on the outside. And, um, you know, in the middle of this unprecedented crisis, um, where I think the American people are trying very hard to separate the difference of, you know, between fact and fiction, truth and propaganda, um, I think there's no one better to help us um, help us sort out what's real and what we should what we should be thinking about. So, I just want to throw it open to you, a big picture bundle. What 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 should we be hearing uh, from what we're hearing uh, hearing from the administration, from the health insurance industry, um, in the media, uh, in the middle of this crisis? Well, I'll start with what we should be hearing from uh, members of Congress and and other elected officials, and from the media, and that is uh, uh, raising the awareness that our employer-based healthcare system is collapsing. I've been uh, talking about this for a long time, and it's becoming uh, abundantly clear with uh, all this going on. Uh, we just heard, uh, you know, that over the last two weeks, that 10 million people have uh, filed for unemployment claims, unemployment com- compensation, the most ever in our country's history, and that's just the beginning. Uh, economists have have been quoted as saying that they expect that even by mid-April, about 40 million people will be newly un. Uh, unemployed. 40 million. Yeah. That's just and devastating. It is devastating. And uh, it's devastating to our healthcare system as well, too, and to people's access to healthcare, because so many of us uh, have come to rely on healthcare uh, because of benefits that we have through our employers. And uh, uh, as employers lay people off, uh, uh, those people in many cases are uh, also, not only losing their jobs, but losing their health insurance. And there aren't a ton of options uh, for a lot of folks. Uh, the president has said that he's not in favor of opening up the health insurance uh, health insurance exchanges. I know that uh, in California and some states that can be done without the, the president's approval, but most of the states, uh, their exchanges are operated really by the government, by the federal government. And uh, so uh, it's it's going to become increasingly apparent that our uh, employer-based system is uh, is is absolutely collapsing and needs pretty quickly to be moved to the ash heap of history. Uh, 
Uh, and we've got to figure out another way to give people access to the care that they need. And we've also seen that uh, insurance companies have been saying that uh, you know, we're good guys. We're going to waive costs for testing. Uh, some of them have said we'll waive costs for treatment of coronavirus. Uh, but we don't, you know, th- there's no consistency across the industry. It's one of the problems you have when you have multiple insurance companies providing access to care. Uh, and uh, uh, we are going to be finding out that we have not invested nearly enough in public health in this country, that we waste so much money because of our multi-payer system. Um, So what I want to see from uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and others, uh, including and also from the current administration, is some serious talk about what we do not only to get through this crisis, uh, but what we're going to do on the other end of it uh, so that we are better prepared the next time this happens. Well, that reminds me of something that uh, I just read yesterday when I was getting ready to give you a call. Um, there was a, you, you, you run an investigative journal, journalism uh, website, yep. tarbell.org. There's a lot of really uh, incredible investigative pieces there for folks who are looking for something to read while they're stuck at home. Um, and, but I read a really a, a great headline, which was America's broken healthcare system is the biggest obstacle to containing the coronavirus. And you talked about a couple of those things, especially the fact that if all of our insurance is based on whether or not we have a job and we lose those jobs, no one has healthcare coverage. Um, but I wonder what else um, what else uh, you would uh, point to in this health insurance system that is making it harder for us to deal with keeping the coronavirus in check. A couple of things. Not only do we already have 30 million, even before this, we had 30 million people who were uninsured. And the thing for people to keep in mind is that um, the insurance industry doesn't care about that all that much. Uh, uh, If they did, we would have universal coverage, but they've really made no earnest effort to make sure that we're all covered. So there's that. And and the people who are uninsured, uh, in most cases, are not that way by choice. It is because they cannot afford uh, to buy coverage um, from private insurance companies, and they're not eligible for Medicare or Medicaid. So you've got that. The other is that even if you have insurance, even if you have it through your employer, uh, there's a very good chance you're underinsured. The Commonwealth Fund did a study last year looking at to the problem of underinsurance, which has uh, gotten much, much worse, frankly, since the Affordable Care Act was passed 10 years ago. Uh, it found that uh, 40% of people who get their coverage through the so-called Obamacare exchanges. 40% of them are underinsured, and that means that they have coverage, but they have uh, such high deductibles. They have to pay so much out of their own pocket before their coverage will kick in that uh, uh, they're underinsured. Uh, They don't have enough money, in many cases, to to cover their deductibles. Uh, So uh, we have this problem that has been largely created by insurance companies. Uh, One of the reasons I left my old job at Cigna was because I was expected to be a cheerleader for high deductible plans. And I saw then what we're experiencing today. It is that once you move so many people, in fact, most of us, into high deductible plans, those who are at the low and middle income uh, categories uh, are, are really having a challenge, a difficult time getting the care that they need. So you're, you've got millions of people in this country who have insurance, but they're postponing getting the care that they need. And I think in this pandemic, we're going to be seeing, we already are seeing that people 
uh, in these kinds of plans are reluctant to be tested, uh, concerned, and probably reluctant, if they, even if they're exhibiting symptoms, to get the care that they need. Uh, and that's just going to exacerbate the problem. Uh, we're alone in the developed world in having a, a healthcare system like this, in which uh, private business, and in this case, private insurance companies, have erected so many barriers to get in the care that we need that uh, we are in worse shape. And of course, we're already saying that we have uh, now have more cases uh, than China had or any other country in the world has had, and, uh, and the deaths just keep uh, mounting. Well, I think that um, I think you said something really, really important there that um, hopefully will be a silver lining of uh, this crisis. And we're no one's ready for the silver lining yet because we haven't hit the worst of the storm. But but this is finally going to open Americans eyes to yes. what it means when people can't afford that five, ten thousand dollar deductible deductible before their health insurance kicks in because uh, the abstract thought uh, for Americans of some people choosing not to uh, go get health care services that they need because the deductible is too high to pay out of pocket is very abstract until their decision not to go seek that care yep. means they're not treating or not getting tested for a coronavirus that could infect others and is contributing right now to the increasing infections and and yeah. unfortunately the death tolls. So I think that that is a really um, a really important piece of this that it's shining a light on all of these things that you're pointing out that are our failures of our current system to make sure people get the healthcare they need. And finally, this is a reason for everyone in America to care about other. I mean, we always we should have always cared about. It other people getting the health care they need. But now everyone's got a selfish reason to care too. And, and that, that, that is what I think it may have taken for us to wake more people up. You're right. Uh, for most of us, uh, it is in the abstract. And we are fortunate, in the, for the most part, of being able to go year after year without having a serious uh, diagnosis, uh, serious illness, or an accident. Uh, none of us see the, the accidents happening. And... Uh, uh, so we just think that we're kind of bulletproof in many cases and uh, think that someone who's having trouble accessing care, well, that's, that's uh, there by the grace of God go I. But now more and more Americans are seeing just uh, how uh, insecure our healthcare system is, particularly our employer-based system, which, by the way, has been crumbling for years and years. Uh, and it makes me so mad to think back over the uh, debates that the Democrats have had so far, in which you had candidates like Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden and some others saying that um, you know, 149 million people get their coverage through their, through their employers, they like that coverage and uh, don't support Medicare for all, for example, uh, uh, they wouldn't dare say that now. I would. I wish we could have that debate right now with those candidates because I bet you not a single one would dare uh, bring that up because uh, there's all the evidence in the world that's happening right now in real time that people are losing their employer-sponsored coverage. And, uh, and we, we've, we saw during those, the primaries that have been held, held so far uh, something that actually surprised me as an old insurance company guy, uh, that 
in every single state that voted, and this includes Tennessee where I grew up and South Carolina where I spent a lot of time recently, every, uh, a majority of, of Democrats who voted said in exit and entrance polls that they supported uh, replacing private insurance companies with a uh, uh, with a single payer Medicare for all type of health plan. So we've we've seen a, a real sea change in in public attitude. But I think that uh, that that change is really uh, or opinions are shifting very very rapidly now. In fact, uh, I just saw another poll uh, uh, that showed that support for moving to a Medicare for all type of system over the past week has picked up nine points. So that's rapid. That really is uh, the 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 data that shows that this crisis is opening people's eyes to the larger yeah. crisis of uh, the healthcare system. That's fascinating. I was about to say that I wanted to call on our listeners to do just that poll, but it sounds like people are already out there asking that question uh, with this yeah. changing uh, changing world. So I wanted to um, just point out one thing. Um, so there's a little bit of a silver lining, uh, well, another silver lining or, or some good news uh, for folks, which is that an increasing number of health insurance companies, and it's uh, still not mandatory and they could change their minds tomorrow, but we have heard from more and more health insurance companies that they're promising to cover not only uh, testing, uh, but treatment for the coronavirus um, without forcing consumers to pay their out-of-pocket um, deductibles, co-pays, et cetera. Now, none of that is uh, law, and we would urge Congress and uh, local state legislatures uh, to try to impose such requirements, but um, consumers should do their research um, if they start worrying about these questions as to whether or not their own health insurer has, in fact, stated publicly uh, that they will cover these costs. It isn't a guarantee, um, but it will perhaps give consumers a little bit of comfort. That's true, and I've, uh, I've been monitoring that. Aetna was the first big insurance company to say that they would waive out-of-pocket uh, costs for the treatment of coronavirus, and Humana and Cigna, and I think United may have followed. Uh, uh, so it, it, is, uh, it is an important move. That said, because we have so many insurance companies in the country, uh, you, you do need to do exactly what you said. Uh, check to see if the insurance company that covers you has has made that assurance. But also know this: there was a story in the New York Times uh, just recently that was pointing out that even with that, people who are going to, into the hospital and getting uh, care and getting treatment for coronavirus are finding, nonetheless, that they are getting uh, they're getting bills. One reason for that is because uh, of another practice of the insurance industry of over the years of reducing the size of their provider networks. And they continue, yes. yeah, they continue to eliminate doctors from their networks, including hospital-based doctors like uh, ER doctors and anesthesiologists and, and radiologists. Uh, that's, that continues to go on. So someone might be in the hospital, uh, a hospital that's in network, and still be treated by an out-of-network physician and wind up getting a bill. So... Uh, uh, it's a it's a crazy quilt of the healthcare system that we still have so much that policymakers need to really hold hearings on and address and remedy. Uh, and uh, like you have said, this is a moment to open people's eyes, uh, not just regular folks, uh, but uh, the people that we elect for public office. We need to hold them 
accountable for really doing something and not let this this pass without some real plans to move us in the right direction. Well, we shouldn't all be operating under a different set of rules with a different uh, different amount of access to care and a different uh, cost responsibility. It, it's ridiculous, and it means that people are going to go without hair, care, and some people are going to die because yeah. uh, because they can't get the care that they need. So uh, that's true. It, it's it's it, it's an eye opening moment, um, and we hope that once we're clear of the immediate crisis, that um, this launches that next step, uh, the looking looking to the future. When we get through this, how do we fix this healthcare system that failed us so much? Um, well, thank you, uh, Wendell. We could talk about this for a long time, so I think we we'll, we'll have to give you a call back um, uh, in a couple weeks when we see how things have played out and see if things have gotten better for Americans as far as our access to care uh, without having uh, to pay their life savings to get it. So that's it for today. Uh, Wendell, where can everyone find you online? They can find uh, what I write uh, to a large extent at, at tarbell.org. Uh, follow me at, on Twitter at, at Wendell Potter. Uh, check out also uh, uh, medicareforallnow.org, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that I'm a part of. But at Wendell Potter is a good, good way to follow what I write on a regular basis. Perfect. Thanks. So that lots of lots of good sources of information for our listeners. Thank you all for joining us on the Rage for Justice report. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us.